morning. Morning. As I was waiting for you, looking at my email inbox, and I just got, <laughs> I just got to your self-compassion test. Oh, yeah? You sent me a week ago. I haven't taken it, but it's funny. Um, it's funny how there's a, you know, test for everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to take it. I'll probably, I'll take it um, when I get a chance and then I can share. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I'm just so like I'm curious. Like, so you just you just finished up a meditation session, mm -hmm. which is so amazing. As I start my morning trying to clean up my junk mail, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take meditation or do you want to take cleaning up junk mail as your <laughs> way to start the day? <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey. So, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> but it's like, I'm just curious. Um, well, how was your, how was your meditation class? Uh, so the session, um, uh, the guided meditation that I returned to from the class that I had taken before called Cultivating Compassion. So I have access to the guided meditation and there's, I believe, eight different guided meditation um and it progresses right from just the first one that we you and I have done is just the breath focused meditation and then you um it progresses on to working on compassion and then expanding that sphere of compassion to you know starting oftentimes I think it's loved ones that's easier to feel compassion um and gentleness and tenderness toward. And then you work outside from, you know, the core, your loved ones, yourself, and then farther out are those that are neutral, those you, your neighbors or people you see in your supermarket, and then beyond to oh. everyone, humanity, right? Um, so today I focused on the guided meditation on compassion um, yeah, and I for, had forgotten that, you know, you start with the breath focus meditation, and then you think of a loved one, and then you think of your younger self as a child, and then you bring that same level of compassion um, to that younger self, and then bring up, um, it asks you to think of a time when you were suffering, and so I actually um, was thinking of just my experience right now that I'm experiencing to be able to bring that same level of tenderness and compassion, starting from your loved one to your younger self and then your current self, whatever it is your, or whatever current issue you want to bring to mind. Um, so, you know, you've mentioned before how I often have emotional reactions you know I, I it's very emotional for me when I go through the guided meditation um, I find it cathartic and kind of I guess releasing all that's going on inside and letting it just um, and not hanging on to it too I think sometimes I do that but in the meditation 
in the 20 minute time frame, I'm able to kind of really let it go and let those hard emotions, fear and sadness and grief work through me. So I'm not hanging on to it, if that makes any sense. Wow. That's wonderful. I'm wondering, for those who are joining us, Naoko and I, um, Naoko, <laughs> Shin, <laughs> she guided me in meditation um, a couple weeks ago, I feel like when I still had time, um, although mm-hmm. it's such a, whatchamacallit, is, is, what's the word? Um it's not an oxymoron, but like, basically you make time, you know, right. for things that matter. <laughs> it's like a paradox, right? You don't. Paradox. Yeah. Thank you. Paradox. Um, and so you're just so kind enough. I think it's such a, you know, privilege to have your notes um, from the classes that you've taken in the past. So she, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the real reality. So in my inbox, Naoko has sent me. Okay. So we did one and two, I believe. Um, and then you sent me three, four weeks, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and they're hanging in my inbox, <laughs> <laughs> which I can always, um, get to, you know? Yeah. So those are kind of important. I was just thinking because, um, we're still working and it will forever be a work in progress, but we have a website that Naoko was kind enough to spearhead for us. So I think I love how you you know, kind of did a snapshot of that journey. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be nice to just put it um, in simple, like, like week one sentences um, to share with those who would be interested in learning about um, the tools. Um, it's just, it's really, it's great. Week one and two, I, I found really lovely. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine, um, you know, as you go along your journey, it's very, it's actually, um practical in a way for those who don't yeah. know, like I don't know where to start like no 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 so yeah for sure and you know I've been reading Pema I think I was I I um pronouncing her last name incorrectly I was saying Chodron but I think it's Chodron um Pema's <laughs> work for so long um I think I was introduced to her work maybe in my mid-20s um, but anyhow, I think, you know, I've returned to her book when things fall apart since then over and over again. But it's interesting, you note the practicality of this um, philosophy or is that I'm finally understanding how to put it into practice. I think I was trying to understand it conceptually in my mind and finally after over two decades um or around two decades i'm finally understanding the importance of putting it into practice in the moment when you you know lose your temper or um i'm personally what i deal with my reactiveness to certain things especially around parenting that is so automatic. I've worked on this, you know, for 10 years and it's still um, hard. But like you say, it's a lifelong process of unlearning the things that are no, no longer serving you um, and changing 
you know, but it's so hard when it's so ingrained. I think it's for me deeply related to how I was parented. Um, and so really intentional, being intentional in the moment. And even if I can't change it, just to, to, to create a, a gap, what Pema calls a gap or a pause or a space in between the time the thing happens and my automatic reaction. I mean, the fact that I'm aware of it also is a starting point. So um, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very powerful that you share that. It is so powerful, actually. Um, you know, we hear about intergenerational problems all the mm -hmm. time, especially as we're, you know, in our mid-40s. It takes time, darn it. It takes time. It's, it really does. And yeah, the fact that it cannot be underestimated, the power of awareness, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. you know the willingness to break you know the generational habit only one generation especially if you've had negative experiences you know crisis experiences and you're still somehow aware and willing to just tackle that internal battle right is very impressive um mm -hmm. and i think that uh, maybe that is what life is about is to mm -hmm. yeah it's not about you know you know finding you know the next cure for cancer or finding world peace it's coming to terms with who you are where you come from and what you want the next generation to look like mm -hmm. um and that all begins with us individually. Right. Nobody. Exactly. We can't point our fingers at anybody else. Right. We can't be mm -hmm. like, oh, we, you know, I'm this way because my mother was this way or my father was this way or my grandfather was this way. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a little different because I don't have the genetic visibility <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because I'm adopted. Mm -hmm. But I certainly had the blessings of nurture. Mm -hmm. And I still am like, I have a lot of characteristics that my parents didn't have. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think, I think there could be power of um, genetics, mm -hmm. other environmental influences. Yeah. To, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's, it's easy to preach. Um, to someone else mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm there with you. Like I'm very, um, yeah, I've, I've snapped. <laughs> oh, many moments. I can only take so far. Um, and I, I'm blessed to be able to kind of redo motherhood again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try, I'm trying, <laughs> um, so I, I feel you. I really feel I, I emotionally, I can viscerally feel <laughs> what you may be going through as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the self-compassion, you know, I don't like the word test, but that's how, you know, test your self-compassion or whatever to have some sort of score. And I, of course, take it with a grain of salt. But 
it was eye-opening for me like you have your own self-image or you think you're a certain way and clearly I was off the mark and we can talk more about it once you have your results or you know take it but um more and more I think I'm waking up to how how harsh and hard I am on myself um especially in moments when I slip and do the thing that is like in my mind, like unacceptable as a parent, like a, I want to be the best parent I, I can be. And when I, those things happen in my mind, I go immediately to judgment and critical, harsh tones of self talk. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And then the intergenerational, trauma or experiences we carry um, comes to mind what I was reading last night. It's just, you know, I relate to you, your story too, to a certain extent where I don't really have no stories of my grandfather or great, you know, and beyond my ancestors and so much is lost because within the culture I grew up, nothing really was shared. And my, you know, even if I ask questions, um, to my mother, she's like, I don't know, <laughs> so much is lost. Um, but that in the book that I was reading yesterday, um, was talking about how much we carry inside our bodies. And I think, like, to your point, you were saying, like, we may not know the stories and understand it or know the stories um, in our brain, but our bodies carry them. Oh, yeah. And so I think I mentioned to you that, like, Right now, during my phase of, you know, turning inward and prioritizing self-care and healing is like really connecting to my body and not really having, I don't even have to have words to explain. I think I tend to focus too much on trying to understand and using words and language and da-da-da-da-da, but like reversing that and putting it on its head and really like saying I've tried to do that, it hasn't worked. <laughs> um, and there's limitations to language, right? And our understanding and really like going, honing into and turning inward to the body and all of that wisdom and pain, it, it's carrying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so... Tell me, I'm just curious because what I can't ignore is um, I'm going back to my inbox, but <laughs> like stupidly 350 junk mail. So like, you know, I've had my Gmail since Gmail was created. Mm -hmm. And for those reasons, I have a lot of like spam mail and junk mail. And yeah, within that, it's like it's crazy but i'm not gonna change i don't want to change my gmail uh-huh but it's just amazing how much junk there is like literally 95 percent is junk and but i still have to scan through it for the five percent <laughs> anyway yeah how do you I hear you my question is how do you do you experience the same thing um or how do you you know go through your inbox if you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do a scan because I have a lot of and and I think the recent 
kind of Gmail, what I do like is like they they have three tabs on the top, right? Yeah. Um, primary social promotion. So I do appreciate that, at least like the promotions and all the, I don't know, in my mind, kind of um, low priority from like Nordstrom or whatever is like... <laughs> tucked away there and I can get to it whenever and then at least the primary things show up I mean I am I am signed up to so many different services or newsletters and all that so it can be overwhelming at times but I also um you know a kind of a mantra for me is like it's okay like anything that catches my attention whether that's a headliner or a subtitle or the person who posted it or that the person the name that I received it from like I just really trust my intuition <laughs> and then oftentimes I do land on something like huh a great article or something like that right um so I also have like my primary inbox um I have so many unread emails, you know, like 54,000 oh. unread emails <laughs> because it's just stuff I don't care. So do you feel better about yourself now? <laughs> yeah. Not, well, like that's kind of similar to my husband's. I think it's like in the thousands, but yours is 54,000. I mean, it's just stuff I don't need to see. So then it's just in there. So, yeah, I mean, there are times it, periodically I have to delete deleted stuff. And then like all the promotions I'll delete to make up space because like <laughs> you, this is from who knows when. And sometimes it creeps up to like the 90 percent usage of the. Um, yeah, like I, I I'm, yeah. Yeah, I don't have data space. <laughs> I know, totally, totally. Oh, shoot. Okay, so, wow, wait. Um, okay, wow, wow, wow. Do you, uh, you don't, like, mark all as red or... Uh, yeah, no, I guess... I've, I've gone beyond that point because it's like I have too many unread that's, that's like, I've ignored, right? Like, So just for... delete it all. But then I would have to go back. Why? You read it. Huh? <laughs> oh, no. You could just do select all, delete. Yeah, but I don't want to delete the things that... <laughs> yeah, I'm not good about deleting or... Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, maybe a fine line hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for me to get rid of things that potentially there may be a need. Like for me, I will want to go back to... Um, uh, an article I read that really deeply resonated with me. And then this search engine is how sometimes I find it, right? Like I search for it in this inbox sometimes. But anyway, it's it's fine. I mean, eventually, yes, maybe I'll just have to go back and just delete like the last, the first 10 years of email, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm curious what your oldest email Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, 19. How do you get to the oldest one? I don't. 
No, I know. I'm just out of this conversation. How would we go back to the oh, oh how oldest? Medical. Um, yeah, no, just scroll down. My oldest is 2000. Oh no, that's not true. At least because in my inbox I have 106,000. <laughs> <laughs> well you know that really just makes me think that there is going to be the next wave whomever is inventing it as we speak today like email is gonna be kaput i feel it's like because we didn't have we know the time when we didn't have email right remember like we're in high school yeah so what there's gotta be then i know there's the next thing like we just you know i don't know it's like the the Bitcoin version of, of money. There's something about, I don't know, that there's just, anyway. Hey, okay, that's great. I'm going to change this. Wait, one more thing. So, like, how I'm curious, which type of newsletter content tweaks your interest? Um, to open okay. and read. Not to, yeah, to open. I guess step one, open. <laughs> and then step two would you read so anything that's related to mindfulness I tend to click on because I'm in that place right now stage right that I'm kind of open to reading and then news stuff I at least um click on for the headlines and then depending on the content um you know I will choose to open the article and read uh it's hard to say it's more like just a gut feeling. okay um and so like if I like New Yorker Atlantic these things I receive in my inbox and if there's an an article you know, that um, I think that's how I came across the recent article that I had shared with you um, about the Vietnamese American uh, Americans in Seattle and so across the country um, feeling compelled and called to help the Afghani refugees. Um, you know, that I found through like the York Times list of articles for the day or whatever. I don't know what newsletter it is. I'm like, I sorry if that's not helpful. No. Um, yeah, I just really go with the intuition. I mean, it, clearly I, I need to clean up my inbox. I have, sometimes I feel like, okay, maybe I need to um, unsubscribe to some things that clearly I have not clicked on, right? Click through to open. Um, but I'd rather, I err on like, I'd rather have more information to choose from versus not having that information. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, seriously, there's nothing wrong. If, if it's working for you, keep it as is. I, <laughs> no, truly. I, I think the article that you sent me, I had no idea. Um, I think the frustrating thing for me is I, you're fresh. Um, you're subscribed to the New York Times, right? Mm -hmm. You have like, 
Yeah, and I'm uh, not. I was sharing with you. I still remember the times when everything was free from the New York yeah. Times like 20 years ago. Um, and I know these media companies have to make money and what have mm-hmm. you. Um, but the the irony is that she's the Vietnamese American uh, woman who's featured. She's she's based in Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I'm here in Seattle. Yes, that's why I was like, oh, um, thought yeah. of you immediately. So I really appreciated that. And it, mm-hmm. it makes sense because Naoko, you always send me relevant things. Like, basically, you're my curator. <laughs> <laughs> you send me curated content that you know that I would like. And I'm sure you do the same thing for, you know, your other friends. Um, mm. That's I think that's your superpower. Mm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Did you want to get this COVID thing off your chest? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know we're laughing and there's nothing to laugh about, but you know what you made me see and someone else made me see is that you have a child who's 10 years old, right? Or 11? Mm-hmm. 10. 10, which is in snap in the, in, in the gap of where yes. the- the um yeah the vaccinations aren't approved yet mm-hmm. i just want to if, if anybody's listening that's a biggie because for those i mean i have a f- almost five-year-old and so she's like you know i'm i'm conscious i'm i guess i've just i haven't forgotten about her but mm-hmm. I, I just know she's on the bottom of the totem pole mm. um, but for my older kids you know who are way over not way over, but over 16, mm-hmm. they got vaccinated. So we had, we didn't have to worry about it. Right. But there's something to be said, like, how does it feel of being a parent of a child of, of them and all your peers who are parents, you know, smack who don't have the, who, who, you know, even if you want it, you can't get vaccinated. So mm-hmm. do share. Yes. So it's been, it's been challenging. I think I personally feel very lucky to be in California. I know friends that are in other states, uh, a friend of mine in Colorado, um, or things that I read in the news for Florida and the South, you know, um, are very different realities for parents and kids and people, you know. Um, So right off the bat, I think I feel very lucky to be in California where our vaccination rates, especially in San Mateo County and San Mateo, the city is very high. Um, and, uh, but what's prompting this conversation is, um, I shared with Nalco that yesterday, um, we were notified actually not even before getting the official email from the school, we learned through other parents that there was a COVID um, positive test. um, uh, Sorry, a student that tested positive um, yesterday in my daughter's classroom. And so um, it's been a whirlwind <laughs> since yesterday trying to figure out, okay, what happened? And so I would say maybe a couple weeks ago, our district started pool testing for each classroom. 
in other words, everyone, all students get a nose swab and put into one big test for each classroom to test if there's anybody who tests positive. And then for the last few weeks, we there has not been any positive pooled testing. And then we learned that on Monday, I guess, there was a positive test in Mina's classroom, hence the need for individual rapid tests that happened on Wednesday, yesterday. And then they were able to identify this one student who tested positive, who was immediately sent home. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, so I, my, you know, my heart goes out to the student and the family that tested positive and to be a 10 year old to be like identified as you know yeah. being told that you're tested positive and you know that that must be anxiety provoking for the 10 year old too and so i have empathy for him um but uh so all this happening and learning okay what do we do like <laughs> um but the other thing for peace of mind for us is that uh, no, I think no other kids in the classroom tested positive. So only one positive case. But we don't know since, you know, this is the limitations of pooled pest testing and this kind of 40 hour, 72 hour time frame since the pooled test. Um, meaning Mina was exposed to the positive student for three days, right? Um, but they all tested negative, um, on Wednesday and right now the district calls this a modified quarantine. And this doesn't make sense to many of, um, my peers or parents, you know, in her classroom, uh, that they're, they are allowing students who were close contact. So kids in that classroom is considered a, a close contact um, because they were in the same classroom for the whole, for those whole days. Um, and so, sorry, I late, lost my train of thought. Um, what was I trying to say? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. They are allowing close contact kids who are not asymptomatic and tested negative in that rapid test that that happened if they they weren't part if they weren't participating in the school testing they would have to get a negative test before they can come back to um attend school so mina had a negative test but we don't we don't feel she's allowed to go back to school tomorrow and today and friday but we've decided just to be cautious um we feel safest to just keep her it's only half days this week anyway and next week is fall break so it made sense for us and feel safest to keep her home. Um, but that's where mm -hmm. we're at. Uh, you know, my husband being high risk um, due to his age, you know, we're saying, is it best? I mean, this is being super, super cautious. I mean, since she tested negative, we're hoping that she doesn't have COVID. Um, but we're asked to retest on Monday and make sure um there is no kind of like dormant and then becoming active i think it's three to five days af after last contact with the um student who tested positive so 
will be in the clear when we get retested on Monday. So in the interim, we're just being super cautious. I mean, wearing masks if we're in the same room and things like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think my tendency is to like go to worst case scenario and things like that, but I'm, you know, non-judgment, not trying to be really kind and gentle with myself that, um, you know, I'm not alone in this. There are, you know, her, her classmates and parents are going through exactly the same thing. And so many parents are going through something similar or worse. And so keeping in mind, that's part of um, something I learned about self-compassion is this sense of isolation that you get tunnel visioned into your own suffering. But actually, when we open our minds to the Mm. not isolate but to have the big picture and there are others experiencing something similar and suffering so that's been helpful for me in the moment to realize that and then just really be present with the feelings of fear that come up and um, not hide it or brush it under the rug or just feel it you know and and at the same time, be grateful, um, just holding appreciation and gratitude at the same time for my family, right? Like, so yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been quite a 24 hour <laughs> uh, roller emotional roller coaster. But I think I, and Mina, you know, the kids are, <laughs> the kids are feel, like so resilient and, you know, Mina's response was, yay, early fall break. And I'm like, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's a, it's a good, I love where you ended on compassion and the journey. And mm. gosh, my thought was if everybody had compassion towards others, the world would be a better place for certain. Yeah. Um, and realizing the privilege and yeah, that's fantabulous. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I'm pivoting to food because we haven't spoken for like, I feel like because our last session was on a Monday, mm -hmm. we're going to connect every week, but it's been a little longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so any recipes that you've made? recently that was a highlight or what you're making today in your height um... <laughs> after the heightened <laughs> COVID scare that you just shared what are you inspired to make um let's see so another thing that I'm deeply grateful for is uh my parents and they send care packages often uh, mostly for Mina, but <laughs> um, really appreciate it. So they sent us um, nama ramen. Nama so, ramen? Yeah. Nama ramen, de, de, obviously, okay, so they airship. So, well, they just regular mail when it was not in the peak of, you know, summer. So, and these fresh ramen noodles, um, 
you know, these days the technology, I guess, in Japan, food technology is uh, gone. I don't know, improved in terms of how long these fresh noodles last. Oh, okay. And so um, we received those this week. So I figured we will have that for tonight. Okay. So we will be having um, shoyu okay. ramen. How do you know what I was going to ask? See, y'all listeners, you were like, you did, I didn't even get to finish my sentence. And then you answered, <laughs> which my husband hates when I do that to him. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> you are technically interrupting. I mean, for just, okay. um, you and I were fine, but I am just noting. You know, if your husband, <laughs> you alluded to not liking you <laughs> finishing yeah, his he, sentence. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you got to show you, Nick. Show you. Yes. Do you like, you don't like tonkotsu, right? No. Oh, yeah. I know it's oh. so popular here. I love tonkotsu. It's yeah. all about tonkotsu for me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever even tried it. See, there you go. Okay, so like <laughs> yesterday I made uh, comfort food and I shared it with Naoko, um, which is so simple. But one of them is mentaiko pasta, which is, mm. is it cod roe? I think it's cod yeah. roe. It's almost like, um, for those who aren't Asian, it's almost like Italian as well. Like in, in a lot of like Mediterranean inspired cooking mm. by the sea, like there's a lot of seafood that gets mm. put into you know main dishes right uh, and i guess because japan is also surrounded by water all throughout mm -hmm. the island there's a lot of seafood dishes um but i'm surprised like so you don't you've never grown to like mentaiko pasta um yeah but like my mantra with my kids is like you got to try everything once twice <laughs> Before you say you don't like it, but you have you ever tried it? So tarako spaghetti, right, is the same thing, or no? Mentaiko, like that. Mentaiko and tarako chigano. Chigalio. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> so those two, I don't like in my mind. Yeah, I think I, the, at least for that, I've tried it. And nanka. Skijanai. Do you like do you like fish eggs? That sounds so awful. I do. I and do love um ikura. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You so it's like... really bizarre, but I yeah. really can't explain it. But some of it has to do with just like ikura I grew up eating, but tarako and mentaiko I I think my mom liked it, but I just never liked it as okay. a kid and yeah, but then so tonkotsu um, ramen is something that my mom does not like, right? So a lot of my kind of taste is hugely or largely influenced by my mom. Mm. Uh, she doesn't like butter in her cooking, so she never cooked with butter. So like to this day, I do not like the smell of warmed butter, which like to it must sound insane to you or like my daughter uh, it, Vina yeah, and my husband Tim like they love yeah. butter <laughs> yep okay um so yeah uh tonkotsu ramen is something that my mom does not like and I never grew up eating it and I mean I'm not big on rich fatty 
too much fatty things. So I would assume that I wouldn't. I guess it is worth trying sometime, but Honey, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. I, when I come visit, you can take me to a. Isn't there a spot that you guys like? Didn't? Yeah, we went when I visited, huh? A ramen place in nearby near you guys. So for those who are not tracking, because we're speaking Japanese a little bit. <laughs> so okay, my other thing question is, komtang. Um, I'm probably not pronouncing it, but komtang soup, komtang Korean soup, which is like mm. super bony broth. That white murky, that white broth, one, yeah. That collagen laden, creamy soup. Do you like that? Mm. I never really. Oh um, man, grew up eating it, and I know my dad loves it, so my mom would make it for my dad. But I don't think my mom herself likes it. She doesn't like meat. She's not big on meat. I mean, she's learned to eat it since they, you know, doctors have encouraged her. Like, mm. fish is not enough, you know, in terms of protein and nutrients. So she will eat it for health benefits, but she doesn't really care for meat. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the I have learned that that komtan soup exists in I mean Chinese cuisine, Taiwanese cuisine, Korean, mm. Mm. certainly Japan because it was influenced by the Chinese and the Korean, mm -hmm. uh, Vietnamese, Southeast Asian, also. So there's something culturally diverse about that soup, mm. and I think to tonkotsu is a derivative of that. I see. Um, which is that, yeah, really, really slow cooked bone, at, like where you could just the marrow falls out. But obviously, tonkotsu has no solids in it. But anyway, mm -hmm. okay, so I'm, I love, 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 highly recommend <laughs> try it. Um, and and for those of you, I actually put um, collagen peptides in my coffee now because I feel like the joints. <laughs> In my mid forties, my joints are like kind of like, you know, they're not as smooth, um, and I can feel my bones cracking. Um, mm -hmm. And I always like my mom would always say, "Koragen, koragen is so good for you." Mm. Um, and she's a she's a healthy, healthy. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I think I think to your point, mothers have tremendous in influence wonderful mothers have great influence um, okay so you're gonna make namaramen shoyu based okay and usually i like to make the um stock by uh just you know pieces of chicken and I, i'll put like slices of ginger and scallions and just slow simmer for like three hours what the, po the what <laughs> wow that's dedication. um the tip is not to come to a boil or, you know, my mom would always say like she, again, this is her influence. Like she does not like it when the broth is not clear and it becomes yeah. white and muggy. And, and so, you know, I learned from her to slow simmer and never bring it to a boil um, so that it's this uh, clear chicken broth soup. But anyhow, I usually do that when I um, have namaramen from Japan. But I think today, you know, my mom always says, like, if you don't have time, especially the um, 
the store-bought like ramen these days, the broth, the, t the science behind it. And I don't know, just it's incredible, she says, right? When it compared to say 10, 20 years ago, what they're able to do and what we can buy these days. So, so long story short today, I probably will just um, use hot water. Yeah, so broth. for our listeners, ano, nama means fresh. And I guess the equivoc equivocal Western um, analogy would be fresh pasta versus dried pasta. It's right. just incomparable. Right. Um, and then tarako is um, cod roe unspiced and mentaiko is cod roe spicy. Like there's I see. A, yeah. Um, hot, hot peppers in there, I believe. So. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay, I'm. And what are you making? I don't know what I'm making, but um, okay. With this seasonal change, it's like so. Unlike California, we now have like I guess we're like averaging out fifty degrees, mm. which makes me really want like soup, really mm -hmm. comforting soup. Mm. Any? Do you have any favorite soups? That yes, I have one. <laughs> Mina's favorite is this um cauliflower lentil soup super Ooh. easy um and then this other one is a little bit involved uh but just as easy too is this um it's from the sweet sour what is that cookbook that you we spoke about it before i, sweet, I yeah you have it you said is it the southeast asian one yeah yeah so that in there, there's a pork soup that's like to die for. It's Whoa. so good. It's like, yeah, I go back to it all the time. Those are our two soups that um, we make pretty frequently when once uh, winter or when it starts getting cooler. It's been okay. cooler these days. Past weekend was in the 80s, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Mina had her That's last so cool, cool weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What the heck? Okay, um, okay. So I can share those two for sure and post it on our website. The two two favorite um, soup recipes. Love that because I have one head of a cauliflower that's been sitting in my fridge forever. Ooh, <laughs> so perfect. Yes, yes, and that recipe is um. Lydia's oh yeah recipe. you do like Lydia don't you yeah. yeah I just I she used to be I maybe she still is on KQED and used to watch her a lot but um I don't follow her but that's one that um yeah okay. Mina loves for some reason and it's amazing because it's full of cauliflower and lentils all right okay well have a wonderful rest of the day you too. Thank you. こちらこそ. Love you. Love you.